Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game Starts on today's episode. Going to be talking about Oscar Shibwe winning National Player of the Year, according to Sporting News. All right, we've not gotten the Wooden Award, the Naismith. We're getting to specifically what Sporting News had to say, and then we're going to ask a question: Where would Oscar Shibwe rank in the John Calipari era? Would he be the top one of the top five best players? Would he be in the top ten? Would he be the best player? I asked some of you guys over on uh, Rupp Rafters and. Had some interesting responses. We're going to also talk about the the bracketology. We've not talked about bracketology on a, for a while on this show. And I noticed some interesting things uh, that Joe Lenardi's been putting out about Kentucky. And I just got to say, I strongly disagree with it. So we'll get into that later on. And then finally, I'm going to ask another question. Who's the worst matchup for Kentucky in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament? Alabama, Vanderbilt, or Georgia? Going to get to that later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. And a quick programming note, there will be no episode tomorrow. I will be traveling to Tampa for the SEC tournament. Going to be covering it uh, in Tampa. It's going to be a lot of fun. Really excited about it. Uh, But no episode Friday. There will be an episode Monday uh, to potentially recap uh, an SEC title victory. For the Wildcats, we'll have to hold out hope, but let's go ahead and get into it here. Oscar Shibwe wins National Player of the Year, according to Sporting News. Shibwe is just the second Wildcat to earn the honor in the publication's longstanding history. Uh, this is something that the press release said on Kentucky Athletics' website, the Kentucky Athletics' website. The Sporting News has crowned a Player of the Year dating back to 1943, and Kentucky's only other winner was Anthony Davis in 2012. We're going to be talking about Davis a little bit more here in just a second. But some more interesting notes. Uh, from the press release, and we've kind of talked about how dominant Shibwe's been on the show, and I want to make another point here in a second, but this is something else that the press release said. It said, Shibwe is not only averaging a double-double, but it's all he's also doing so with a considerable margin, averaging a team-best 17.3 points and a nation-leading 15.3 rebounds per game. He's looking to become the first Division One player to average at least 15 points and at least 15 rebounds per game since Drake's uh, Lewis Lloyd and Alcorn State's Larry Smith each did during the 1979 to 1980 season. That's incredibly impressive. Uh, he broke the Rupp record with 28 rebounds versus Western Kentucky. That easily surpassed Shaquille O'Neal's previous mark of 21. It's also worth noting that Sheboy did that primarily against the tallest player in college basketball, Jamarian Sharp, who is listed at seven foot five. Sheboy currently leads the Wildcats in points per game, uh, rebounds per game, steals per game, and blocks per game, and field goal percentage with a minimum of 100 attempts. Sheboy shooting 60.6% from the floor. Uh, another interesting note here, since the 1978-79 season, only one Wildcat has led the team in those five categories, minimum uh, 130 field goal attempts in a single season. That was Anthony Davis in the 2011-2012 season. Furthermore, uh, Shibwe is responsible for 38% of all of Kentucky's rebounds uh, this uh, this season. 
taking away team rebounds. That number jumps to 41.4%. And this is something that we discussed uh, on yesterday's show. We were talking about different changes that we've seen in this Kentucky Wildcats team and maybe some some things that have changed since the Duke game in, uh, in uh, week one all the way to the Florida game uh, just a uh, just a few days ago, and one of the questions that we discussed is what has changed about this team. And one of the things that I noted was that Oscar Shibway. I think fans understood the talent that we had. I think fans understood what type of player Shibway was, but I don't think people were able to grasp the consistency that he was able to bring every single night. I don't think fans, truly myself included, understood what he was capable of doing consistency-wise. I think everybody knew that he was talented. I think everybody knew that he was an offensive rebounder, uh, very talented in the post, but I don't think fans knew what this guy was capable of for an entire season. And this is actually something that one of y'all mentioned on Rupp Rafters whenever I asked the question, where would Shibwe rank in the John Calipari era? Would he rank in your top five, top ten, whatever? Somebody noted, it's like, I have still, I'm still numb to the fact that this guy is averaging 15, over 15 rebounds per game, and he's played so consistent this season. Uh, he's just kind of still in shock over it. And so that was my point here, is that I don't think it's really going to sink in for a lot of folks, including myself, until maybe one or two years here down the line for us to truly realize and appreciate what Shibway's done for this program. There's not a lot of guys, I don't think in the future, they're going to, going to be averaging over 15 rebounds for the Cats. It's probably not going to happen unless we get another generational talent like Anthony Davis which or Oscar Shibway, which, again, I just don't really see that happening, uh, at least often, in the, the future of the Wildcats. So, again, I asked the question, where would Shibay rank, in your mind, in the John Calipari era? Would he be a top 10 player? Would he be a top 5 player? I asked you guys, and there were several responses uh, over on Rupp Rafters, five people said that you would have him as the best player of the John Calipari era. 14 different people said he's the second best player behind Anthony Davis. And six of you said he's at least a top five player. And then several of you also just commented about, about how just talented he is and how good he's been for the team this season and about how important he is to the lineup and what would happen if you took him out. And there was something that one of the mods on Rupp Rafter said that I wanted to quote here uh, that I thought was just a phenomenal point uh, in, a, in a response to this question. He said, quote, I'm sure it will depend on how far this team goes. For me, I've got to put Anthony Davis at the top of the list because he was a generational talent and he won Kentucky a title. Uh, Oscar might be set second right now for me just because of his elite rebounding and ability to change the game, and his unexpected scoring ability pushes him higher as well. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about talent or NBA potential. I'm talking about the best college player at Kentucky. Oscar is right up there. And then he gave his list of his top guys, Anthony Davis, Oscar Shibway, Carl Anthony Towns, John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Murray, uh, Jamal Murray, that is, and Tyler Ulysses. That was his list. I really like that list, by the way. I think it was a really, really good list. Uh, but I thought it was a really good point there. Just And this is something that I clarified in the post itself. This is, this is not necessarily talking about what these guys are going to do in the NBA. This is not necessarily talking about who your favorite player is. Um, although I'd be interested to see who you guys, uh, who, who some of your favorite players are from the John Calipari era. Uh, but this is specifically talking about relevant to Kentucky in while Calipari has been here, is he the best player that we've gotten to see come through the program? 
And I'm not willing to make that conclusion yet, and I think the mod made a really good point here, is I would like to see how far this team goes in the postseason. I expect they run deep, uh, and I expect they, uh, they, that, that they make the Elite Eight, make the Final Four somewhere around there. Would be, would be disappointed uh, if we saw something uh, less than that. If we saw su- Sweet 16 and we got bounced by like Arizona or Gonzaga or somebody like that, some, some really, really high-profile team, I would understand it. Um, but, but I think that Shibwe is going to be able to carry this team uh, into the postseason and carry them a long way. So at the end of the day, if that happens, is he the best player to ever come through the program, at least in the John Calipari era? I think there's an argument to be made for it. And I know that a lot of people will, out there will say, not only was Davis incredibly efficient on the defensive end, he was also more flashy. I would say that he is more flashy than Oscar Shibway was, and so that made him just look, he looked like a more athletic, more complete player. And while I would say that was that's fair, uh, there are also certain there are certain aspects of of Davis's game that he that Shibway, uh or excuse me there are certain aspects of Shibway's game that uh, Anthony Davis doesn't have. And also I think that you look at it for, from a consistency standpoint. I mean, again, there's not a lot of people averaging over 15 rebounds a game. I mean, Shibway has been dominant in his own way. Now, has it been flashy? It has at times. Uh, he's he's occasionally flashed. Uh, just brilliance on the fast break or or a flashy athletic dunk in transition or something like that. But it's really more just been dominance getting offensive rebounds and getting putbacks and really, really nice moves uh, in the post. I, I would say that he's not the flashiest player to come through the program since Cal has been here. But he's certainly, I think, top three. I think I'm comfortable saying that he's top three. Now, is he top two? Is he the best player to come through the program? Let's wait and let's come back to that conversation after the uh, NCAA tournament ends. All right, speaking of the NCAA tournament, talking about the bracketology, uh, there's some interesting things uh, going on in the bracketology world right now in terms of projections. A lot of questions about who's going to be that fourth number one seed. You've got your three best teams. You've got Gonzaga, you've got Arizona, uh, and you've got, man, why is the third team completely slipping my mind right now? I think, no, Duke is not up there. Duke, Wisconsin, Auburn, and Kentucky are on the four line. Uh, and then there are a couple of teams in the mix. Uh, Baylor is, is another potential one seed here. But we're going to talk about Kentucky and their bracketology in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Stat Hero. I absolutely love March Madness, and I really love the brackets and being able to put them together and putting together multiple, honestly, and just seeing... Uh, if I can get any to stick, but to be honest with you, it's been quite a while since the last time I actually went deep or ever even won any money with a bracket, but this year I'm hedging my bets with Stat Heroes NCAA Pick'em Contests. Stat Heroes NCAA Single Game Pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. It's a lot of fun. You can start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that does not rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. It's very straightforward. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The, the sleek, uh, simple gameplay will have you playing in minutes, guys. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. You can sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on using promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Uh, again, one more time, stathero.com slash locked on and then promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, thank you so much again for uh, you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Make sure to check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown March 14th right here on Locked On Kentucky's podcast feed and the YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling will give you in-depth breakdowns on every single matchup. All right, moving along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Daw here with you. Uh, talking about bracketology here for a second. Uh, so I was looking at bracketology earlier, and I was looking at Jerry Palms of CBS Sports, and then I was looking at uh, Joe Lenardi's of ESPN. And I was looking at Joe Lenardi's, and I was like, hmm, so Kansas is currently projected to be a number one seed, according to Joe Lenardi. Now, how accurate that is here in a few days, I don't know. Um, but right now, if, if the tournament were to start today, he thinks that Kansas would be a number one seed. And Kentucky would be a two seed within the same region of the bracket. And I'm a little confused by that. And I I honestly don't think that it makes a lot of sense because both of these teams uh, have the same amount of losses. In fact, they have the exact same record. And Kentucky, head-to-head wise, went into the fog and beat Kansas by 20. So if you're going to put them in the same region and they have the same record and one of these teams beat the other, why wouldn't you... put the team that beat Kansas as the one seed. It does it just it doesn't like make a lot of sense to me. And I'm not I'm not calling out Lenardi specifically. I'm calling out the system because I just don't see how that's rational. And again, this could all change here in just a matter of 48 hours. But as of right now, that's what Lenardi thinks, that's what the system thinks, and it just confuses me a little bit. And so then I went over to Jerry Palm, went over to CBS Sports. And I started to find some answers, at least some answers. It still confuses me. So Lenardi uh, thinks that Kansas will be a one seed. Jerry Palm does not think so. He thinks the top four seeds in the uh, NCAA tournament are uh, Baylor, Auburn, Arizona, and Gonzaga. And then he has Kentucky uh, as a, a two seed and Kansas as a two seed as well. And I went and looked, and it's interesting to note uh, you know, some of the metrics that these, uh, these guys use to kind of calculate where these seeds should be. And obviously, if, you've, if you're a fan of college basketball, if you've been watching this show, I mean, there's different things you can use like net rankings and you can use, uh, you can use Ken Palm and different things like that. And then you have like quadrant one victories and then you have quad two wins, quad three wins, quad four wins. And the goal is to rack up as many quad one wins as possible. And some schedules allow more, some schedules allow less. And so you look at Kentucky's schedule, Kentucky is 8-6 and six against quad one opponents. So every single one of their losses has been to a quality opponent. Literally the best, uh, some of the best teams out there. Kansas is 10-5 and five against quad one opponents. So they have two more wins uh, against quad one opponents. Uh, but Kansas has a 7-1 and one record against quad two opponents. I'd have to go look and see who that quad two uh, team is. I assume it's Dayton. I believe I believe the Flyers beat them earlier this season. Might be wrong on that. Uh, but seven and one against quad two opponents. So it kind of even evens out there in my mind. But this is the kicker right here. So we've talked a lot about uh, Kentucky's strength of schedule on this show, and we've talked about how it could potentially uh, it could potentially hamper Kentucky's ability to play well in a SEC play, specifically talking about the non-conference schedule, about how weak it was and about how I didn't think it would translate well 
uh, especially at the beginning of the SEC slate, and it turns out uh, that was uh, it was relatively correct. Uh, and we had a listener question just a couple of days ago. Ask, did uh, did I think that Kentucky's weak non-conference slate was going to eventually cost them of a one seed? And I said, probably, but I've not really thought about it that way. You look at Kentucky's strength of schedule compared to Kansas's. Kansas's strength of schedule is second nationally, and Kentucky's is 16th. That's pretty decent. Both of those uh, SOSs are, are really, really strong. But the, the problem here is within the non-conference slate. Kansas has the 77th uh, strongest non-conference strength of schedule, and Kentucky's is 117th, and that's the kicker. That's where I think some of these different uh, media outlets that are projecting the field are getting this Kansas over Kentucky uh, argument. It's like, well, sure, Kentucky won the head-to-head, but Kansas has more quad one wins, and they've had a much more difficult schedule. I mean, 16 to second, both those schedules are strong, but 16 compared to second, uh, there's there's a significant gap there, and I would say 77th to 117th. There's also a significant gap there as well. So while Kentucky won the head to head, and that definitely should be a factor in my mind, it should be a fa- more of a factor than I think it, than than it is in some of these uh, metric based systems. But uh, you look at Kansas; I mean, they have the better, they have the better schedule. They played a better schedule, a more difficult one. They came away with more quad one wins. But I will say, while that may be the way that this is calculated, I still disagree with it. I still go back to again. This is I, I didn't did not look at where Palm. Well, obviously, Palm can't have Kansas and, and Kentucky within the same region because they're both two seeds. But, I mean, you look at the ESPN one with Joe Lenardi, it, it just it confuses me for him to, to go and put all of these different projections in and acknowledge, yes, Kentucky beat Kansas by 20 on the road, but I'm still going to put the Jayhawks over the Wildcats in the same region. That's just weird to me uh, for you to come away with that, for, come away with that conclusion. It's just confusing. It's a little weird to me. I, 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 I just I don't really I don't really get it. If you've got any thoughts on this, leave them in the YouTube comments below. If you're listening on podcast format, you can hit me on the socials at Locked On UK. Give me your thoughts on the bracketology. Give me your thoughts on Oscar Shibway. Uh, and then I also want you to give me your thoughts on this question right here: Who is the worst matchup for Kentucky in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament? Going to talk about that more in depth in just a second. But first. I want to tell you guys about our friends at Run Your Pool. March Madness, only just a couple of weeks away. Uh, actually, less than that now that I'm really thinking about it. That means you really need to start. If you haven't already, you really need to start, start to uh, think about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you going for the best? Well, we've done our homework here uh, at Locked On Kentucky and we are running our brackets with RunYourPool.com. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Uh, Run Your Pool also has options to edit scoring. They've got different game types. They offer more intel to make your picks. It's all stuff that you won't find at ESPN or CBS. And clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we here are running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. And if you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, you can join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, you can create your own pool for your friends and your family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. 
That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Also want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. Football is over for this season. It's a shame. Uh, but basketball, however, is in full steam for both pro and college hoops, one of the best times of the year. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, where the next fired head coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline also remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. In fact, BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds as well. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that's been online where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw here with you. Uh, kind of teased it coming in. The question here, who is the worst matchup for Kentucky in the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament? There are three different teams that Kentucky could potentially play. If you've already printed out a bracket uh, for the SEC tournament, I've linked it over the past couple of episodes. I've got it right here with me if you're watching on YouTube. You can hear it in the background of the audio episode as well. I've got it printed out in front of me. There are three different teams that Kentucky can play. They can either play Alabama, who has already received a bye and it will be playing in the second round of the uh, SEC tournament, or they can play Georgia or Vanderbilt, who play in the opening round, the first round of the SEC tournament. Uh, so just going over here, I want to go over two teams because it's by, at the time of this recording, Georgia and Vanderbilt have not played, but I'd be willing to bet the Bulldogs lose to the Commodores. So I'm just going to talk specifically about Vanderbilt and Alabama here. Which of these teams would you be more afraid of seeing in the quarterfinals, Vanderbilt or Alabama? I want to go over this briefly here. I don't want to take up too much of y'all's time. I'd really like to, to hear your thoughts on this. And if we come back tomorrow and I'm just completely dead wrong and Georgia somehow won that game, they are not getting past Alabama. So this makes it, it makes the question here relatively easy. But Alabama, when you look at them, obviously uh, played Kentucky relatively close uh, both times that they played. Uh, eventually lost by, I believe, 11 uh, at home and then lost by nine on the road at Rupp Arena. Alabama can shoot. But they're incredibly inconsistent. They, um, they're really, really good at hitting the two-point shot. We've talked about their offense before, that five-out system that Nate Oates likes to run, likes to spread the floor, likes to run a lot, likes to shoot a lot of threes. Pace, or spacing is, is space and pace, actually very important uh, in Nate Oates' system. Uh, they really rely on high-percentage looks, very similar to LSU. Uh, and the fact that they take a lot of threes, straightaway threes, corner threes, and then they also take layups. One of the best teams in the nation at hitting two-point shots, but one of the worst teams in the country at hitting three-point shots, but they take so many more threes than twos, it's insane. In fact, they took 30 uh, against the Wildcats in the first time uh, these two teams played. Incredibly inconsistent. They're going to need that three-point shot to win uh, against the Wildcats. And they're not playing well entering the tournament either. They're 2-3 and three in their last five games, and their defense has been relatively porous all season. Uh, but they're averaging 77.6 points allowed per game over their last six games. They're not playing well on defense right now. They're not playing cohesive. Their guards are scoring. They're not shooting well from three. And I don't know if you watched it. Texas A&M went into Coleman Coliseum and ran away with a victory over the, over, over the Crimson Tide just a couple of games ago. 87-71, to 71, I believe, was the final score of that game. It was one of those where it's just like, whoa. Alabama's falling apart here down the stretch. At least it looks like it to me. Who knows, though? They're one of those teams where everybody's been like, oh, well, they beat Gonzaga, and they beat Houston, and they beat this team, and uh, they, they beat, I don't, I don't even know. But still, I just, 
I'm not buying into this Crimson Tide team because I don't think they're peaking, and I don't think that they have enough to really make a run either in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament. So right now, if we had to play Alabama, I think it would be a fun game, but I don't think it's one of those where I'm scared or will be scared with like 15 minutes left. Vanderbilt, on the other hand, I've got an interesting take on Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt's the more, more, uh, it's not necessarily the more difficult matchup, but it worries me more. Vanderbilt also played uh, Kentucky close twice. Lost by 12 at home, and then lost by 7 at Rupp. Uh, then, and something that we've noted about Vanderbilt is they are one post-presence away from being a problem. And Quentin Melora-Brown, if y'all remember, uh, is, is quickly made a name for his, himself in the Kentucky sphere. Um, he is uh, one of Vanderbilt's bigs. Played very well against Shibway uh, last time these two teams met. Vanderbilt's also faltered down the stretch, though. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and just cherry-pick stats and stuff. Vanderbilt's also 2-5 and five in their last seven games. But again, they played Kentucky close twice, and they know how to stay in a game, I think, more than Alabama does. And so when I'm looking at both of these teams, I really wanted to pick, uh, I really wanted to pick Vanderbilt for the upset. And I think it's very, very possible that it happens still. And so I'm just curious to see if, if Kentucky matches up with, a, uh, with Vanderbilt, how much more close would it be if uh, the Wildcats play the Commodores instead of playing the Crimson Tide? I think it would be a more competitive game. I think Vanderbilt would play harder, and I think Scottie Pippen Jr. would uh, would play extremely hard and try his hardest uh, to uh, get a dub for 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 Vandy. And it's been extremely tough for Kentucky to guard Scottie Pippen. Davion Mintz can't handle it. Uh, Ty Ty Washington couldn't handle him. Uh, he he dropped a significant amount of points on the Wildcats both times they played. So I think it would be a difficult matchup. It, it would it would worry me more than Alabama. Don't know if they have more talent, but I think they want it more. I think they're more cohesive as a unit, even though they may have less talent. And uh, they've got a star player that really worries me. If y'all have a thought on that, if you completely disagree and be like, no, Lance, it's Alabama all the way because of their three-point shooting and Nate Oates is awesome or whatever, roll tide, I don't care, uh, leave it in the comments below. Again, I really enjoy having discussions with y'all about this different type of stuff. Uh, but but I, I would fear Vanderbilt more than Alabama. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDaw underscore. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully to recap what it will be a very interesting SEC tournament. I will see you all then. Have a good day and God bless.